Welcome, and thank you for stopping by Biker Church, Wiley, Texas. Let's go on in and see what J.R. Franklin has to teach us today. Well, good morning, everybody. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this time we have together to come in your house. I thank you for all the blessings you've given us. I ask that you just open their ears that they may hear and their eyes that they may see. Father, just know that your presence here today is highly appreciated and highly respected. We love you, and we're here to serve you and do your work. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, guys, like I say, we get inspiration for messages a lot of times. When we preach, we get a lot of we get a lot of things that give us inspiration for, for messages. And today's message comes from a lot of hurt, a lot of sorrow, a lot of ununderstanding, a lot of disbelief, a lot of it just comes from all all assets of life. And it's an old message, but it's a good message. Y'all ready for it this morning? All right, we're going to go to Luke 8. When you get to Luke 8, go to verse 20, 22. And it's an old story that's been told many, many times, many, many ways and different things. But I've had a revelation the last couple of days about what God's talking about. God has a tendency sometimes to say, ooh. Ah, and then you get that aha moment when you realize what God has really got for you and what God really means in your life. And sometimes we take advantage of that and sometimes we don't. Sometimes we don't listen to the word of God the way we should. Sometimes we don't study it the way we should because we have an open, sometimes we have an open mind, but most of the time when it comes to us, we have a closed mind. Am I right? We can see other people's faults, can't we? Well, we can identify somebody else's oops. But when it comes to identifying ours, we kind of get blinded, don't we? So the story in here, I'm just going to read it and then we'll talk about it, okay? The title of this section of the chapter 8 of Luke is, The Storm is Steeled. Now, how many of y'all had some storms in your life? <laughs> All right. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. So they got into the boat and started out. On the way across, Jesus laid down and took a nap. That's not uncommon, is it? I got to find my place again. And while he was sleeping, the wind began to rise. A fierce storm developed that threatened to swamp them, and they were in real danger. There's a real danger in that, isn't it? The storm's brewing up. The waves are getting high. Jesus is asleep. The disciples are all standing around the side of the boat, and they're watching the storm blow in, and the waves come up. How do you think they handled that? They, got, they lost their minds. They got scared. They got reality of, hey, we can drown, came very relevant to them. So the storm was really real to them, wasn't it? 
The disciples woke him up shouting, Master, Master, we are going to drown. Had the water filled the boat yet? Had the boat sunk? But what was their outlook on it? We're going to die. We're going to drown in this. We're going to fall. We're not going to be safe anymore. So Jesus rebuked the wind and raging waves. The storm stopped and all was calm. Y'all get some kind of coalition in this right now? Have y'all getting anything out of this so far? We're going to talk about it here in a few minutes, okay? The storm stopped and all was calm. Then he asked them, where is your faith? And they were filled with awe and amazement. They said to one another, who is this man? Not even the wind and waves. Oh, wait a minute. I read that wrong. Who is this man that even the wind and waves obey him? Today's story is about a storm. Storms. There's three kinds of storms in life. There's storms of your past, storms of your present, and storms in your future. And we're going to talk about all three of them, okay? What is one of the biggest storms of our past? We want to resurrect our past all the time, don't we? The storms that come in our lives and the trouble that we have and all the turmoil that goes around us usually stems from one of these three places, past, present, or future. But our past storms are ridiculous. Am I right? Why should we worry about things that happened in our past? We resurrect those things all the time, don't we? Because we turned our life over to God, but yet our past storms... We allow those storms, the winds to rise up, the waves to crash over us, and we feel intimate danger from something that happened 10 years ago. Am I touching on somebody this morning? We worry about things that happened in our past that's already been taken care of. You see, when we ask Jesus into our lives and ask Him to forgive us of our sins, what did He do with it? He cast them out of us. He blocked them to where he don't even remember them. If he don't remember them, why should you? Where is your faith? Good question, right? I've laid my past down. I no longer live in that world anymore, but yet it just keeps coming up. Well, you remember back there when you was selling dope and driving crazy wild and doing all the stupid stuff you used to do. Guys, kill that stuff. What can you do with your past to make it any better? Forget about it. Like the Italians say, forget about it. Forget about it because it's gone. There's nothing you can do. You can't change what happened in your past, can you? The change is not something that you can physically go back and fix it. 
it overcomes you. It floods your life. It makes you miserable. It depresses you. It brings you down. It holds you back from your present. If you want to live in your past, why are you even worried about your future? If you still live in your past, let me assure you of this. You have no future. If you keep doing the things that you did in your past and keep reliving it all the time, that's where you're going to stay. And you're going to be there forever. And you're not going to be obedient to God. Because God told us to crucify our flesh. And when we crucify something, what do you do with it? You cast, you kill it. And what do you do with something that's dead? Listen to you. Listen to yourselves. What do you do with something that's dead? You bury it. And when you bury something, what's that mean? It's gone. If you went down here to the cemetery and started digging people up, what would they do to you? Throw you in jail, wouldn't they? Not only that, some folks would look at you like, what you doing? But how many times in our lives do we dig up stuff that was crucified and killed when we accepted Christ? Some of y'all dig it up every hour. Some people do. Some people keep going back. Well, you know, back... There ain't no going back. Stop living in that past stuff. What causes depression? Stinking thinking. What causes anxiety? Stinking thinking. What causes discontent in your life? Stinking thinking. And where does stinking thinking come from? The past. Digging up stuff that God's already fixed. <laughs> We dig up this stuff and then we wonder why we live in a time when we can't, we can't be happy. We can't be filled with joy because we keep digging up stuff that made us unhappy. If you keep bringing that stuff up, you're going to stay unhappy. Alcoholism, drug abuse, all these things that we go through in life is because of our past. And if we truly are saved by the blood of God and the blood of Jesus on the cross and we really trust Him as Lord and Savior and we keep bringing that stuff up, what are we going to end up being? Miserable, depressed, anxiety, all the things that we were trying to hide from is just going to keep coming up. And some of us have gotten so old now we can't run as fast as we used to, so we're going to jail. We ain't as wild as we used to be. We got a little more sense. I said some of us. But reality is, that storm should already be calmed. The storms of your past should be calmed. Oh, but Jerry, you don't know what all I went through. I don't care. Because if you want to sit down and have a, a contest to see who was the worst... Let's go. I got a feeling that some of us in here has got more past than other people do. I got a feeling some of us in here make some of y'all go, really? 
But you know what? I killed that stuff. When I laid myself down at the foot of the cross and asked Jesus to forgive me my sins, and I asked him to take away all that stuff, it's supposed to be gone. And as far as he's concerned, it is gone. But there's another entity out there that will keep bringing it up time and time and time again. There, there is an entity out there that will do that. Oh, you little faith. It ain't the devil. It's you bringing your own garbage back up to the top. Your own garbage that you used to live. Your own guilt. Your own sadness. Your own weakness. Your own stuff. You keep bringing up. I wish the devil had that much power. But he don't. The only power he has is what I allow him to have. And when I don't crucify my past and I don't leave it buried in the ground, I allow the devil to get in my head and start saying, Yeah, you remember when you used to run drugs? You remember when you used to snort cocaine? You remember when you used to... You, yeah. Who filled him for the fuel? I did. I gave him that fuel to use. Because what does he have? Nothing. Jesus on the cross calmed that storm. It broke those, broke those shackles, people. Why do I have shackles on my arm? With a drop of blood going through the middle of it that broke them. Why do I have that? To remind me that Jesus broke my past. He, he destroyed that. I'm not a prisoner anymore. I'm not tied to my past anymore. Okay. We got the past taken care of, right? That storm is calmed. Through Jesus Christ, that storm is calmed. What about the future? I'm going out of order here, ain't I? But I'm going to tell you something. What you think about your future is just as important as what you think about your past. Where are you in the future? What does your future look like? What does your future look like to you? And I know what God's future for you is. And I'm not asking that. What does your future look like to you? Where are you at in the future? Let me tell you where you're at in the future. You ready? Wherever your heart is, is where your future is. If your heart's in the past, your future's in the past. If your heart's in the right now, you're going to stay in the right now. See, my future's bright, guys. My future is I'm healthy. I'm happy. I'm going to heaven. I'm filled with God, and I'm going to do what God called me to do, no matter what it is. Whatever you want me to do, God, I'm here for you. My future can be a storm, can't it? I can worry about where I'm going to be next week, can't I? I'm going to worry about my bills next month, today. I ain't figured out today yet, but I'm going to worry about them tomorrow. <laughs> uh huh. I'm going to think about where my bills are going to be next week. But what about today? See, my future is not certain. My future is not even guaranteed. Ooh, I just touched on something, didn't I? The Bible tells us don't plan on what you're going to do next week. Don't make promises of what you're going to do because you may not have control of it. So 
where is your future? What what storm is in your future? What am I going to do with my kids when they get up to blah, blah, blah? What am I going to do with my house next week? What am I going to do? How am I going to get a new car? How am I going to do all this stuff? How much anxiety and depression comes from you worrying about what's going to happen next week? Come on. How many of y'all go through that every day? Come on. We all do it. We all think about what's going to happen tomorrow. Some of us don't think that far in advance. Some of us don't think past 10 minutes from now. Some of us think about 10 years from now, where am I going to be? What am I going to do 10 years from now? Let me tell you something, folks. Some of us in this room 10 years from now are going to be sitting in the gates of heaven celebrating with Jesus. More than likely. Because... The, the more you add to what we already have, the better our chances are we're going to be in heaven instead of here. You understand what I'm telling you? God didn't promise you you're going to live forever on this place. But he said if you'll believe in him and trust in him, that you will live for eternity in heaven. And you know what his other promise about heaven is? There's no sorrow. There's no pain. There's no hurt. There's no hunger. There's no crying. There's no sadness, there's no depression, there's no anxiety. There's nothing in heaven except one thing. Praising God for who He is. That's my future. Now we're going to get to the nut of it. Where's your present at? Where are you at right now? Your past is dead. Your future is uncertain. What do you really have to deal with? What do you have to deal with right now? You got to deal with right now. What's going on in your life right now? What storm are you in the middle of? What's going on that's tearing you apart? Is it depression? Anxiety? Greed? Loneliness? What, you name it. What are you going through right now? And your answer to it is, why is God making me go through all this? How many times y'all ask that question? Why is God letting this happen? Oh yeah, He's letting it happen. I'll tell you that, Myra. He is letting it happen. But there's a reason for it happening. Everything you're going through Everything that you're going to go through and everything that you have gone through is to do one thing and one thing only. Bring your relationship to God in perfection. He's perfecting you for what you're coming to. Oh, but JR, you don't understand. My rent's due and I don't have no money. Why don't you have any money? Because you wasted it. You spent it all. And what he says in the Bible about giving to the tithes and stuff. You know, 100% of everything he you own, he owns. And all he does is like, give me 10% of everything you have, and I'll give you the other 90% to use. But let me tell you something about God. God don't do anything halfway. Nothing God does is halfway. Not only will he make your 90% be enough 
but he'll multiply that 90% where it is enough. Y'all don't believe that? Malachi 3 says, test me and see if I won't do it. I've had hundreds of people tell me, Joe, I tithe, but I just can't afford to do it. I just don't have the money to put it in there. I'm going to tell you something, folks. As long as you keep that attitude, you're going to be without. I know people in this room that used to walk around, oh, I can't afford to do that. I can't give, I can't give that church $200 of my money. And at the end of the month, they were $200, $300 short of what they needed. And then all of a sudden, they started tithing like they're supposed to. Not only did they increase in their finances, but their finances went a lot further. Okay, we'll get off money now. Let's get on to happiness and joy. How much joy is in your life right now? How much happiness is in your life? Oh, everybody's saying in their head, yeah, yeah, I got plenty of happiness. No, you don't. I hear you talking. I hear your complaints. I hear your stuff. I know you don't have it all. Because you don't understand God has already calmed the storm. What you're going through in your eyes looks like disaster. It looks like you're drowning in it. It looks like it's going to destroy you. But what does Jesus say? Did He get onto the disciples? Yes, He did. He calmed the storm that was there, and He said, where is your faith? You see me do it, you believe in it. Where's your faith? What is faith? Trust in things you cannot see. So if you're in a storm right now, what's the best way to get out of the storm? Trust Jesus. And if you trust Jesus, what happens to you? Your faith grows. And when your faith grows, also with faith comes peace and joy. Oh, but JR, you don't understand. My bank account says zero. Guess what? Jesus didn't even have a bank account. He went, he sent Paul to the sea to find a fish with a coin in it to pay the taxes. If he can do that with a fish and a coin, don't you think he can take care of you? If you trust him, if you believe in him. Oh, now don't, don't get me wrong, folks. I ain't telling you go home, sit on your couch, and watch TV eating bonbons and expect God to do this. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Don't go home and sit in your chair, kick your feet up, turn the air conditioner on, and say, God's got this. You got a job to do. You got work to do. And I know everybody in this room right now, and everybody in the center of my voice is thinking, yeah, I got to go out and tell people about God. No, that ain't your only job. Tony's job is doing electronic work. Mark's job is twisting wrenches out there at the mechanic shop. I don't know all y'all's jobs, but I guarantee you it's got work involved in it. Because God didn't tell us to sit at home expected to fall, did he? We got to get out in this world and do some stuff. Even the ox in the field has to work to eat. So, yeah, we all got to work, right? We all got jobs we got to do. But how easy is it to do our job 
if we're doing it with the right attitude. How easy it is to do our job when we're doing it because God gave us that job and we're happy to have it. And it may not be the most glamorous job in the world. It may not be the most prestigious job in the world. But it's a job that's got to be done. And you get a paycheck for it. So get out there and work. Oh, you know, and I understand some people are handicapped. Some people can't work. But that don't mean you got to sit on your butt and wait for God to do stuff for you. You hear what I'm saying to you? There's still work to be done. And yes, we got to get off ourselves and get out of this building. And we got to get out there in the streets. And we got to do a little bit of elbow rubbing. We got to do a little bit of socializing. And we got to do a little bit of improving on ourselves to be acceptable by other people. I've heard it said many, many, many times. I don't care what other people think about me. You better care what other people think about you. Because the Bible says that they are, you're supposed to represent Christ. And Christ cares what people think about Him. And if you're carrying Christ with you in your garbage, He don't want you in that garbage. He wants you to go out there and represent yourself as a good person. A God-filled person. A person of value. A person of valor. A kind Oh, loving, giving, caring, sharing. Isn't that what Christ was? He said, be like me. So if you're going to be like him, can you go out there and badmouth people? You go out there and flipping people off and talking about how rotten, stupid they are and all the bad stuff that you see? Jesus stood up and calmed the sea. He calmed the storm. How many storms do you create in your present that's going to affect your future? Oh, I'm preaching this morning. I'm preaching something here, ain't I? You see, Jesus can calm your storms. But when He calms your storm, He's going to look at you and say, where is your faith? Why did you wait, wake me up why did you make me have to do it when you're perfectly capable of taking care of it yourself? By believing in what's going on. If those disciples had seen that storm and they went to their knees and said, God protect us, what would have happened? The storm may have went on, but they'd have been fine. In your life today, if you're going through a storm, Turn it over to God and let Him calm the storm. He may not stop the storm. The storm may continue, but you will get through it and come out of it on the other side better off. Because you learn from your mistakes. You learn from the troubles. You learn from the trials. You learn from all the things that goes on in your life. And it perfects you to become what God intended you to be in the first place. Am I telling you that God's going to stop every storm in your life? No. And calming the storm don't mean the storm went away all the time. And sometimes we have to go through a storm where we learn to depend on Him. Every storm we go through either does two things. It either destroys us or it makes us better. And depending on your attitude about God, Depends on how you're going to come out of that storm.
Oh, we live in a stormful time, don't we? It's very stormy out there. The government's a storm. Society's a storm. The economy's a storm. There's a lot of stuff going on that people that don't know God better be scared of. But if you're a child of God and you have Jesus Christ in your life, just talk to Him. Look to Him for your answers. It's easy to pick up the phone and call somebody and gripe, isn't it? We can complain. We have complaining down to a science. <laughs> we can complain on Facebook. We can complain on the phone. We can complain in person. We can complain to our friends, our neighbors, our mamas, our daddies, our brothers, our sisters. We can complain better than anybody I know. Stop complaining and start proclaiming. Change that word. Change the word, right? Complaining. Proclaiming. What's proclaim mean? Testify. Testify. Proclaim. And when you proclaim it, now you're obligated. Because once you say it, and you say it to other people that that's what you believe, you better start walking it. Because you're going to be judged on that. People are going to look at you. Oh, you talk about how much God loves you and how much God does for you. And you love God so much. But yet you go out there and blow everything out of proportion. You tear everything apart. You destroy your own walk with God by being who you are because you're still living in your past, worrying about your future, and you're not concentrating on the present time of what's going on in your life. When God can do the most damage is when you don't listen. Oh, God won't do that. I got a whole book over here. I got a book right here that tells me God will wash everything out. He will burn it up. He will destroy it. He will send fire from heaven down on it to bust it all to pieces. He is a redeemer. He may have to destroy it to redeem it. Oh. Whew. I got to watch out. I'm fixing to get crazy on y'all. God will destroy everything in your life to redeem your spirit. He will take you and put you in the worst places you've ever been in your life, in the lowest point of your life, just to build you back up. Y'all heard the story about the clay on the potter's wheel? He's making a vase and it's all pretty and it's all working right and all of a sudden he gets a flaw in it. What's he do to it? He squishes it all back into a ball of clay and starts over. How many times do you want to be started over on? It shouldn't take very many if you get your right, get your mind right. And you get your heart right first. You get your heart right, your mind will follow. Stop your stinking thinking. Now y'all have heard me say that a lot. Stinking thinking is what destroys us. Godly thinking will preserve us. Godly thinking will make us do the things we're supposed to do. The disciples in the boat. Well, let's go back to the story that we read. The disciples in the boat knew something, didn't they? What did they know? What did they know? I want you to think about this. During that storm, 
and the wind was blowing and the water was rushing and the boat was getting all wet and they were getting soaked down with the water and the fear came over them. What did they know for sure? Go to Jesus and wake Him up and He'll fix it. Why do you got to wait to wake Him up? Why don't you just carry Him with you through everything you go through? Stop waking Him up. Let Him be in your life. Jesus said, I can do all things that He could do. Can I calm a storm? Yes, I can. Can I heal sicknesses? Yes, I can. Can I bring peace to the world? Yes, I can. And I can bring peace to the world by doing something first. Y'all ready? You can't fix anything else till you fix yourself. You got to fix you before you can fix the person next to you. And who do you need to be worrying about? You got to fix you before you can fix your husband, your wife, your kids. Your house is in turmoil. Maybe you need to look at yourself and see why. Why do you need to look at yourself? Because it may be you that's the problem. Is that harsh? It's harsh. But usually the truth is harsh. Stop looking for Jesus to calm your storms. Start trusting that He already has. I, I, I don't even know how to end this. Because it's just ongoing all the time. It's just there. It's in your life. Jesus calmed the storm. Jesus calms the storms. That 99% of the storms we made. So what do we do to stop it? What do we do to stop the storm? You learn to trust what you trust. If you don't know Jesus, you can't trust Him. If you don't have a relationship with Him, how do you know you trust Him? How do I get a relationship with Jesus? It's simple. It's so stinking simple that it's difficult. How difficult is it? It's very hard. Because first off, you got to admit some things. First off, you got to admit that you're the storm. And you're a powerful storm, as, as my friend here says. But the first thing you got to do is admit that you're a sinner. Admit that you can't do this by yourself. And ask God to come send His Son into your life. And then you ask the Son a question. It's a hard question to ask. Forgive me of all of my sins. Forgive me of all of my sins. Forgive me of all of my sins. And come into my life and make me better. And when you ask Jesus to come into your life and make you better, the storm ain't over. The storm just started. Because He's going he gonna to wash away what needs to be washed away. He's going to break away what you won't give up. He's going to take what He wants you to lose. And that's all there is to it. And if you give up to it, and you surrender to it, and go willingly, it's a lot easier. Well, how many of us want to hang on to that stuff? I want to hang on to that stuff because it felt good when I was doing it. 
It felt good knowing I had all these friends. It felt good when I got high. It, it felt good. Till about 15 minutes into it and I had to go get some more. And then I had to do stuff that I didn't like. To get the money to do what I needed to do. So, who's my storm? I was. I am my worst enemy. The Bible says that it's lust, greed, jealousy, coveting other people's stuff. All that stuff that we do is our worst enemies. If we trust in Him with everything, He'll provide what we need. Y'all believe that? You believe that He will provide what you need? Really believe that? You really trust in that? Then where's your faith? It's in Christ. We got to tap into it, guys. We got to listen to what the Word says. We got to spend some time building a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And how do we do that? How do I build a relationship with Him? I got to talk to Him, I got to be honest with Him. And then I got to do something that's really hard. I got to trust him no matter what's going on. No matter what I see with my eyes, I got to trust what Jesus is going to do. When I look at my bank account and it's $200 in the bank and I owe $700, I look at it and say, oh, I got to trust God. I got to trust God that he'll open a door that I can't see. When I'm sick and I'm hurting and I'm depressed and I'm down and I'm hungry and all the things that we think of when we think about what's going on in life, who feeds us? God will provide. I mean, look at the stupid sparrows. They don't do nothing. Yeah, they are. They're dumb as a box of rocks. <laughs> but God takes care of them. They don't do no work, they don't do anything. They don't even build their own houses. They're lazy. But God takes care of them because they're just as precious to Him as you are. Do you understand that? No matter where you are in your life, no matter what station you are in your life, you're just as important to God as anybody else is. Oh, but my physical handicaps and my mental handicaps and my, all my stuff. God can't love me. God can't work for me. God can't work in me that way. Let me tell you something. Ain't nothing that man can't do. If he can say, let there be light, and put a thing called the sun in the sky to light the earth, do you think he can't heal cancer? Come on. Think about it. <laughs> Look all around this room. Can God cure COVID? Yeah. Can God cure heart disease, liver disease, kidney disease, drug addiction, alcoholism? How about depression? He can cure all that, can't he? He can. If you allow him to. If you believe he can do it, he can do it. But now I can believe all day long that I can, I can pray over you and your cancer will fall out. 
I can believe that all day long. But if you don't trust it and you don't believe in it, your storm is going to scare the hell out of you. I'm serious. It's going to scare you so bad that you tremble. And that you can't find the end of that, that cure of that cancer. You can't find the cure of that heart disease. You can't find the cure of that depression. Because you don't have the cure in you. The cure is eternal life with Christ. Oh, does that mean there ain't nobody going to die? I didn't say that, did I? There are going to be people die of cancer. There are going to be people die of heart attacks. There are going to be people die of lung cancer, kidney failure. All these things are going to happen. But that doesn't mean the person inside that person died. If they are cured by God on this planet or in heaven, it doesn't matter. They're still cured because they belong to Jesus Christ. Y'all get me? Y'all feel what I'm saying? There's, there's a time and a place for everything. Everybody on this planet has an appointment. You have an appointment. But who gets to determine your destination? You do. We all have an appointment. We have an appointed time. But what's our destination? Mine is the gates of heaven. Because, see, I trust in Jesus Christ. I gave my life to him. I trust him, and I know he's my Lord and Savior, and I ask him into my life. If you haven't done that yet, your destination is hell. And if you die today without Christ, I hate to say it, but you're going to hell. If you die today not being obedient to God's word, the Bible says he will cast you into the lake of fire. And he'll blot your name from the book of life. So what is our job and what is our obligation? Calm our own storms. A calm storm is easy to get through, isn't it? A nice spring rain kind of just drizzling down with no cold wind blowing. Feels good, doesn't it? It's a storm, but it's a calm storm. Our life matters, can be calm even though we have to go through it. We can have peace about it. Because like Charlie says all the time, the worst thing you can do to me is kill me, right? To me, that would be the greatest blessing of all. Because I know when I take my last breath on this earth, my next one is in heaven. How do I know that? How do I know that? Because the Bible told me so. Preachers all around the world told me so. Other Christian people told me so. And there was something really amazing happened. I started believing it. And when I started believing it, I had faith in it. And the Holy Spirit drawed me to the source of peace. He drawed me to the source of grace. He drawed me to the source of redemption. He drawed me to Christ. And I hit my knees. Ask him in my life. If you're in my sound of my voice today and you have never done that, let me encourage you in something. Jesus is there. He's standing right beside you right now. The Holy Spirit's tugging on you. You feel it inside. I know you do. I felt it many, many times and I ignored it, but He kept pulling. 
And I'm telling you right now, if you're in the sound of my voice and the Holy Spirit's tugging on you, wherever you think in your head you already got, if your heart's saying you ain't got it, maybe you need to think about it. Maybe you need that touch from Jesus today. Maybe you need to recommit yourself. If you gave yourself to Christ before and you still live the same way you always lived, you still have the same anxieties you've always had, you still look at things the way you always did, maybe you just need to ask Jesus to come back in. Let's do a reset. Now, some of you computer geeks know what that is, right? Reboot. We can be rebooted. Because God is serious about it. He wants our life 100%. He don't want five. He don't want ten. He don't want it being 50-50. He don't want you sitting on the fence. He wants 100% of you in His kingdom. Are you willing to give it to Him today? If you haven't done that yet, let's do it. If you gave Him your life, but you only gave Him this part of it, it's time to give it all to Him. And how do I do that? I've already accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, but how do I give Him the whole 100%? The same way you gave Him the first 10%. You come to Him wholeheartedly, and you say, God, I surrender all. Y'all remember the song, Surrender All? Surrender all to Him. If you're in this room today and you need anything like that, salvation, redemption, brought back to being where you were, or if you just need to pray, these altars are going to be open. If you're in this room and you feel like you need to move, come on. Don't be ashamed. Because somebody else sitting in this room may go when you do. They're just waiting on somebody to move. Look at this. You see what's going on here? If you're in that same place they're in right now, and you're just too embarrassed to get up, just bow your head right there where you're at. And say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need you today. I need you to come into my life and change who I am and what I am. I need to make a commitment to you today. As my Lord and Savior, I promise that I will live the rest of my life dedicated to you. To live for you. To do what you've asked me to do. I surrender to you right now. Wherever you are across this world. I know that we're in 17 different countries and we're in 38 different states in the United States. And not all of you can get to these altars. But every one of you can get the altar of God. And all you got to do, if you're driving, pull over. If you're sitting at home, just pray to God right there where you're at. Ask God the same questions I ask you today. Commit yourself to Him, no matter where you are. Does it take effect if there's nobody there with you? There's never nobody not there with you. God has been with you since He created you in the womb. The Holy Spirit's been tugging on you all the time. God's grace has always been there. You just need to seek His face. Mm. I'm a poet and didn't know it. 
Guys, it's serious business. Our relationship with Christ is what's important. Nothing else is. You got me? Do you feel what I'm saying to you? Do you understand what I taught you today? If you don't, pick up that phone and call me. I'll explain it better than what I did today, maybe. If you can't get a hold of me, get a hold of Charlie. Get a hold of... Put a thing out on the website and ask Mandy. Ask Annie. Ask anybody that answers you. Find Jesus today. No matter what you have to do. And when you find Him, accept Him. And then do something really remarkable. Start trusting in Him. The disciples did in the boat, didn't they? They knew if they woke old Jesus up, everything was going to be okay. Wake Him up. Wake Him up. He's going to chew you out, but wake Him up. Everybody bow your heads. Close your eyes. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this time we've had today. I thank you for all the blessings you've given us. Father, I ask that you continue to heal the sick. Father, I ask that you continue to protect our soldiers that are overseas right now going through this stupidity that's going on. Father, I ask that you take care of the first responders, the ambulance drivers, the police officers, firefighters, everybody that protects us. Watch over them. Keep them safe. And most of all, God... I ask that anybody that hears my voice today will receive you as the Lord and Savior and then live for you the rest of their lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you have prayer requests or need to contact us, please email us at bikerchurchwileytexas at gmail.com or call 214-283-0620. Please send all written correspondence to 303 Highway 78, Suite 103, Wiley, Texas 75098. And if you wish to make a donation, please make all checks payable to PSMM. God bless you and have a great day.